Gaming MBS episode 170 coming to you Tuesday, December 9th, 20th, 2017. 2017. <laughs> Welcome to Gaming NBS, a tabletop RPG podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Sean. And I'm Brett. Welcome to the show. Welcome back to those who've been here before. And Sean, I'm still sick. This sucks. Sickness does suck. I have I have had enough of this crap. Save or be sick. <coughs> All day, all day for days with that shit. I know my lovely wife has it as well, so Susan is just as happy as I am. It's great. It's fun to be in the Blazinski household right now. It's a good place to be. Ew. Are you sick or or at all? Man, I'm tip-top, tip-top, tip, man. Damn. It's a clean living. I got to try it. Man, you just got to surround yourself with a bunch of animals. I got Animal feces. I got kids and I got two dogs. Is that's yeah, kids. They they they've got that crap. They they're oh, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm constantly surrounded by germs. I'm, the yeah. plague is in my home at all times. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh well. Shall we get in and on with this? Yeah. Just Let's think about it this way: if some of our listeners listen, they by the time they listen to this, you may not be sick anymore. That would be awesome. I would totally fucking love that. I've had this for like two weeks now. I've had enough. Ah, anyway, on to fun things. Announcement-wise, Evercon 2018, which is January 5, 6, and 7, as I have alluded to before. Our discounted pre-reg is closed. Our event submission is also closed. But tickets still at the door. Evercon.org. The website still works. God damn it. So get out there. Take a look. We've got kind of loud, man. I think over 215 events. And most of those are RPGs and uh, board games, card games, all that kind of good stuff. So we got a got a good host of uh, some goodies going on there. So should be a should be a damn good time. Looking forward to seeing some of our uh, gamer friends there. So that'll be fun. And maybe if I'm really lucky, I can drag Sean up there. But we'll see how. <laughs> yeah, I, it's my a, a calendar man. My agent's got me booked. I know, I know. all over the place. Agent is code for wife says no. <laughs> something like that. Something like that. Or I got other shit to do than help you, assholes. That's it. Anyway. So, Sean, um, patron, we were going to talk about this last episode, and we had Rob Wheeland on instead. So we got yammering with Rob. And uh, so let's talk about it. What's the deal here? So Patreon had changed its terms and conditions. Everybody should have gotten an email. Uh, it got sent out to creators, got sent out to patrons, saying, hey, we want to give more to pay to creators. So what we're going to do is we are going to pass along the fees to the patrons. So the creators would get their 95%. That's like 95% of whatever's pledged. And then, you know, if there was a fee here, a fee there, I think there was a flat fee of like 38 cents per transaction. And what would happen is your dollar per episode would end up being like a dollar 38 plus. I don't know if they would even, Pass along the transaction fee as far as the credit card. So you could potentially be, I mean, when you're pledging a dollar per episode and it goes up 38 cents or whatever the number is, you know, that's a pretty dramatic increase overall. So people rose hell, st- stank, 
And they rolled it back. Well, they were going to roll it out later this month. They've decided not to do that. And so it's remaining the same. Uh, so if you're listening to this and you said, you know what, I am jumping ship from Patreon, uh, Patreon because of their terms and conditions and their fees. Screw that shit. Totally understand, but they're not changing it. Now, some of you may say, well, screw them anyway. I don't like them. I don't want to go over there anyway. Uh, we've had some people switch their pledges to uh, donation, like through PayPal. They just PayPal, boop, and it's going to be recurring or maybe it's not, you know, whatever. So that's an option. Uh, support us. So, so gaming dot, gamingnbs.com. We also, like bear, we also like unmarked bills, large denominations, bearer bonds, um, offshore accounts. Those are Bit, all good, too. Bitcoin. 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 Lots Bitcoin. of Bitcoin. Lots of Bitcoin. Make it a full Bitcoin if you can. <laughs> we don't like halves or quarters or tenths or anything like that. Anyway. Uh, uh, if you go to gamingnbs.com forward slash support dash us. Uh, you can find all the options on how to support us. It doesn't have to be monetarily. Uh, we did. I did come across Pod Pledge. Uh, Pod Pledge is distinctly uh, set up for YouTube and podcasts. Uh, and so I checked it out and have set up an account. It looks completely legit. I don't know why it wouldn't. There's one uh, show on there that's got like a pretty good amount of pledges. I think it's still in its infancy. Um, and so you, it's very similar. You can, you can do, I don't know. I think their fees are laid out and what that looks like, but it's not, you know, we absorb that just like we absorb it from Patreon. So it's another option. If you want to check that out, you can give monthly, yearly, quarterly, or one time. Um, so that's just another option. I'm looking at another one drip or D dot the DR dot IP. Which is, yeah, I've heard about that one. Yeah, it's some. Um, I think it's off a of Kickstarter. I think it's Kickstarter's version of Patreon. So we're looking at that. It's still, I don't think, released to the public. I think it's invite only. So we're looking at that. And if we get that, we'll put it up there. I mean, so if you're not giving, that's okay. Just let a, let somebody else know that we exist and see if we can drum somebody else to to listen to us. So it doesn't have to be money. Uh, if you're at Amazon.com and you're shopping for the holidays, use our affiliate link. We get a small percentage. I think it's less than 10% of the purchase, uh, but we may get you know we get something like that. Um, if you're starting your own podcast, you can use some of the hosting options that we have to to use as an affiliate link. But otherwise, you know, thank you for everybody that's done it um, and continues to do it. Thank you to those that have done it and have not. Uh, had to kind of bail on that because in the end you got to take care of yourself. We're going to keep doing this thing. It does help on hosting costs and things of that nature. And um, we're switching to another platform now that's, you know, we're kind of fiddling with that costs money. Um, But, you know, if you can't give, that's okay. It's all right. We understand. And we don't do it to, so we could solicit money from people and retire because Brett's, Brett got promoted at work, so he's all set. <laughs> yeah, I'm totally set. Yeah, you got a raise, too. I've got nothing but stress. It's great. It's awesome. I, and, I a used co- to, and a horrible cold. I used to know what Brett made because I made him an offer when he was at his old employer, and now he's moved, and I know that he won't move except for more money. So I, I know it's got to be above the baseline that I got him before. Well, yeah, I'd be stupid. and I'll take less. I'll take less than you offered me. That's what I'll do. Well, sometimes it's not always about the money, Brett. Yeah, I don't work for anything but money, honestly. Well, that's um, true, but <laughs> no, I get what you're saying. 
So, um, in all honesty, though, I mean, Sean and I have said this many, many times, and just to really underscore it, we are not doing this for your money. If you don't want to, can't, think it's stupid to give money to people who are giving podcasts for free and blah, blah, blah. That's fine. I don't care. Sean doesn't care. We're going to do this anyway. Yeah, I think that's it for the announcements. All right, let's move on to a random encounter. Random encounter. All right, random encounter. We're getting to some that we couldn't get to last week just simply because we weren't going to have enough time. So uh, We'll let you start because i got to cough. All right, Brett, go ahead and you cough. Uh, we're going to staff start. Staff. Sta- staff off of. Gosh. Start off on uh, Jared Rasher on 168, talking about episode 168. Uh, here's my hypothetical set of rules. If I were to do something like this, so this is referring to Sean's not getting going and uh, kicking off a uh, potential West Marches game. Here's my hypothetical set of rules. If I were to do something like this, uh, if I were to do like something like this, it's drop in, drop out, but it's not West Marches style. It's more short missions, five-room dungeon-style play that would jump into the adventure relatively quickly since the PCs are voting on the job when they sign up. Uh, The reasoning behind the world Serpent N is to both let GMs do what they want for adventures and to allow players more freedom in creating their characters so they can make a character less tied to a specific campaign setting if they want to do so. The number one rule seems to work pretty well in, in AL, Adventurers League. And I think I'd be more likely to follow third-party material in that manner, although at the moment the main ones I would allow would be the upcoming Cobalt Press Midgard Players book or Green Ronin's Book of the Righteous. As you could probably imply, this would be using 5th edition D&D as a base. So ad- advancement is by hourly milestone, milestones per Xanathar's Guide. Um, then he's got these are the rest are all bulleted. Uh, so it's and we'll have I don't know if I'll put this. We'll have a link to this in the show notes, uh, I believe. Yes. Uh, so advanced. OK. Sessions have a maximum of a four hourly milestones. If the adventure isn't complete, one milestone complete will be defined by the GM running the event. Playing an adventure for the next higher tier plus one milestone. Players gain five downtime days for every two hourly milestones. Uh, downtime must be spent at the beginning or the end of the adventure. So not during, it looks like. If an adventure isn't complete at the end of a session, the group will narrate how the party managed to survive and return home once it is determined that play will be ceasing. The narration should follow the story, so if a huge dragon has barely been injured at this time, the narration should be about the adventures retreating, for example. Uh, so that he's distinctly nailing down the problem of a party going into an adventure and you're not finishing the session. So uh, that's a good one. I like that. Uh, next one. Players need four milestones per level to advance for levels one through four and eight milestones per level to advance each level after fourth. Sessions will begin and end at the World Serpent N. Characters will be made with the standard point-by method and take the standard equipment offered to the class. Characters will be created using the Player's Handbook Plus One method, where the player states what other resources is utilized to create the character. Uh, The GM will post what days they have available, along with a link to a sign-up sheet. 
Uh, players will vote on a job from the job board when they sign up. Once the group has reached five adventures, the GM will be ready to run the game on the assigned day. If there are not at least three signups for a day that the GM has posted, that adventure will not be run. So now he's outlining the curriculum on what would uh, justify running an actual session, right? And how that comes to, comes to, comes to be. Uh, let's see. This the there will be a social contract posted as part of the sign up that will agree upon. Players that don't follow this social contract will be asked to leave the group. The unifying, consistent campaign element will be the World Serpent, and adventures can be run in any setting that the GM may want to use, as long as the adventure begins and ends at the World Serpent End. Multiple GMs may run sessions in the campaign. Interested GMs will be given access to the campaign calendar and will post their own available days. There is no obligation to post more than one job for the PCs to take from the job board, but any sign-up sheet should include the social contract language. A list of allowed plus one books will be posted and may include third-party material. Now, that's certainly understandable. Uh, I would probably eliminate third-party material. That's just me. Uh, as a GM, I would probably, I mean, but as Jared alludes to, maybe each DM has the flexibility to alter that as they see fit. If I were doing this as less of a thought experiment, I would definitely be posting a draft of the social contract language to see what people thought of it, and especially listing the books I would allow for a plus one to the player's handbook. Could be a horrible idea that would never work, but it's the thought that sprang into my mind if I were to attempt such a thing. So, Yes. That's what Jared has to say about that. Just, I think that's pretty well thought out, Jared. Yeah. I think it's it's a really good. It's more meat for anybody else who's interested in it. Thinking, as I was pushing on Sean, you don't have to do it exactly as <clears throat> prescribed by the Westmarchers approach. You could try to craft your own thing. And I think if you're like me, sometimes staring at a blank sheet of paper, wondering what you want to do, I think Jared's list here would be a really good place to to start. So I think it's a good. I think it's a damn good list. Yeah. Okay. That that was that was some good stuff. I think I had some of those things in mind, just kind of floating in the back of my head. But he's fleshed it out, and I think they're pretty pretty straightforward. Um, I would certainly use some of those for sure. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you, Jared. Always good stuff, man. Um, James King Silverbolt emails us on episode one sixty seven. I uh, just want to say how much I've enjoyed the last couple of episodes. Family dynamics and bloodlines are amazing ways to explore characters. This episode made me think about my experiences of several systems Excuse me, that use flavor by injecting ways to tie PCs to families. They've taught me some different lessons with player characters. Ravenloft <coughs> excuse me, 3.5 devoted a whole su- supplemental book, Ravenloft Legacy of Blood, to making characters related to some of the major players in the world. The book was easily one of my favorites in the series. And exploring how far an apple can fall from the tree adds depth to role-playing. Deadlands allows you to be related to the Harkers and all the insane powers and curses that goes along with that family. If a group knows anything about a crooked family branch, they will almost assuredly not trust the player. If you're in the Forgotten Realms and there's a Harper wizard, and all players around the table that are familiar with that setting all know that they're in for a ride of humor mixed with power. A family name can set a tone. Star Wars Saga had a book that <clears throat> took place three generations past A New Hope. Players could be great-grandchildren of Admiral Thrawn, uh, Wedge Antilles, etc. I, 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 all I want to know is, you know, is Porkins. I just want to know where Porkins' <laughs> kids are. 
And uh, that's that's what I'm curious about. Anyway, carrying <clears throat> he doesn't say that. This is me. Anyway, carry on. Uh, trying to uh, play a character with a shadow of their family name alters how to play more than the average character class. Point being that any world that is really enjoyable have characters that your own players can interact um, with even indirectly. <clears throat> this may seem like a fanfic approach, but it leads to gamer taking more interest t- taking more interest to use it. In other fantasy worlds, characters that live large lifespans have other interesting interactions with families. <clears throat> for example, your character is an elf or a vampire. They could have an oath to serve a human family name that's endured for many generations. This can take on all kinds of interesting twists. Or on the other side of the equation, family blood feuds create questions of family loyalty. Maybe another family is really worth fighting for? Maybe not. That's my two cents. I hope Sean and his wife are back to 100%. Thank you for using your podcast to help others in Texas. May you have long days and pleasant nights, BSers. James King Silverbolt. Well, thank you, James. Yes, thank you so much for the well wishes, James. Thanks for writing in. I like the idea. This that concept of family spanning, and even if you look at something like Harry Potter, you get house elves that are tied to a family and have been that way for a very long time. It's uh, having those long term connections can be a lot of fun. That's really cool. I like it. Next to you, sir, Sean N. As in November, emails us. ABSers, really enjoyed hearing Brett try to help Sean get a campaign going. I think this taps into a problem a lot of podcast listeners have, wanting to GM, but procrastinating. It's been five years or more since I ran anything. I've spent a lot of time thinking about it, what it is that keeps me from starting a new campaign, but really don't know what the problem is. Recently, friends have been pushing at me to do something. One has suggested that if I can't get a whole campaign together, I should just do a little one-shot or two- or three-session-long scenario, something designed not to be a big investment in time or commitment. Hope both Sean and I get something going in the new year. Great listening to you guys. Sean N. You know, Sean, one of the other things that can be done is um, you get people like, yeah, I'd really like to play, kind of a one-shot. And then if you have a hunger for more and you've got groups or members of the group that do want to play more, you could say, hey, if you guys are free on Saturday, you guys want to start at, like, my place. I'm picking this, making things up like you have space at your house, Sean. But you could say, hey, let's start at noon at my place. We'll get pizza ordered in. We'll go through lunch, and um, we'll just go until, like, after dinner. How's that sound? You know, you could have a long day of a thing if that's if that's up to you. But I should say if that's up to you. If that's a thing that uh, kind of turns your crank, if you're able to run for that long, some people don't like to do that. I, I for one, don't mind, but I know some folks don't like running that long. But I like the idea of having a one-shot or a two- or three-session, um, especially if you end that one-shot on a little bit of a cliffhanger, you know, kind of a tease. It's been going really well. Players are having a good time. You drop that clue on them that, hey, you know what? That uh, that elf betrayed you. Really? That son of a bitch. Yeah, well, if you guys want to play again, we'd find out what happens with that. And then uh, see who's clamoring to play next. So it's a good way to kind of bait the hook and set it. I like that. Good stuff. Yes, indeed. All right. Up next is Andy Hall. He emailed us and said, hey there, Sean and Brett. Sean, if you're going to do a West Marches campaign, you do not have to focus quite a bit on exploring. Do you not have to focus quite a bit on exploring, uh, example, the wilderness? If you guys ever thought of having a discussion, how many and varied aspects of exploration? No, we have not, Andy. Um, how how do you make exploration fun and engaging? How do you keep the pace going? Do you need certain types of players slash game groups for expo- exploration to really work? I'm thinking about exploration from the perspective of Savage Rules campaign, but maybe exploration, wilderness, dungeons, underground, planetary, just works better in other game systems. 
exploration is one of the main elements in RPGs. Are we moving away from it in tabletop games because of video games? Uh, for example, Skyrim, do it better? Just throwing it out there. If it grabs you as a future show topic, that's cool. Best Andy. Hmm. <laughs> I think a definition of, uh, to take a tip from our buddy uh, Phil, uh, we want to, like, how, how are we going to define exploration, right, Sean? I mean, because it's like when we've tried to talk about investigation before, some people have said, well, every game is about investigation. Every game is a mystery. You don't know what's behind the door or whatever the case is. Um, I think I see where Andy's going, comparing um, you are here to save the prince from the dragon. Um, you are here to free the town from the kobolds. You are here to stop, you know, Tom Pernazeros, the scourge of Hyperborea, from doing this thing in the town of Camorium. Um, but really pure exploration, kind of like the Hobbesian, I'm not going to pick on Hobbes, the Hobbesian uh, concepts that he t- loves to talk about with hex crawling and stuff and really moving through those, what's next? What's over here? I don't know. Let's poke around in there. I don't... Uh, I know some groups really like it and some systems seem to push it, but I don't know if it's as common as it once was. I don't know. Eh, you know what? It's a show topic, man. It's going in the bin. It's going in the bin. You ready, Sean? I am ready. All right. Thanks for writing in, yo. Thanks, Andy. It's good stuff, man. Yes. All right, let's get into the main topic. All right, Brett, what in the hell are we talking about this week? Well, Hobbs had mentioned it before, um, and our buddy uh, Eli Kurtz on his mythicgazetteer.com uh, forward slash emergent dash character dash creation, and link in the show notes, of course, had a little talk about this as well. Well, this concept of emergent character creation, um, in short, emergent character creation is kind of... One of the things that Eli brings it up, and I think it's a good example, Sean and I have talked about and are fairly fluent in Dungeon Crawl Classics. And when you play DCC, especially if you're doing a funnel or any game system that's kind of random or whatever, you start saying, hey, um, the only thing I really know at the start of a DCC funnel is my occupation, my lucky sign, race, speed, maybe some equipment, and that's about it. And personality, quirks thoughts, um, where you came from, who your parents are, do you have family, any of that stuff isn't thought out. You just hand it a thing, and then you can either sit down and try to whip it up on the spot, you know, take a little bit of time, create it, or emergent would be using the game time, the actual in-game play, to create the background for your character. Create that emergent, basically emerging through the story, through the game you're playing, as it goes along, um to flesh out that character. So he or she is no longer just a uh, list of stats and incredible skills and powers. Um, this superheroine that you have, she is more than that. She is also what? And then you kind of create all that stuff on the fly, if you will, or based on things that are happening in the game itself. Sean, is that how you understand it as well, or do you have a different take on it? Yeah, I think it's the. I think one of the things that Eli brought up in his blog post, which we'll have a link in the show notes uh, to, Happen to do and relate to the scratch-off cards that Goodman Games did. Yeah, so, this, this concept, it's like a pre-built funnel character. Like, oh my god, you scratch off, what do I have? Oh, I've got this, i got to make something out of it, you know? But you only scratch off, like, the name, the career, and uh, I think that's it. 
something. It's very, very brief, and then the rest comes through play. the play. And so I believe he talks about an example in Savage Worlds because I know that Eli's uh, kind of game of choice has been Savage Worlds for many of his topics of yes. discussion. So, you know, as it relates to Savage Worlds, if you want to relate or if you want to go back to when we talked to Christian and... Ron Blessing. Christian Serrano, Ron Ron Blessing. Uh, So if you want to know about Savage Worlds, go and check that out. But uh, just to touch on that, you would pick, you know, your hindrance. And if you picked an edge, you would would opt to pick it at that point in time because you wanted to be a part of that character. But if you didn't opt for it at that point, like there's kind of a... Uh, why why would you choose yeah. that something kind of bargaining it one way or the other? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, so there's the concept of, I think you're right, Sean, taking it a little bit deeper. My first um, cut at, a, how to define it, probably seemed to be more of character, background, place, where you're from, do you have a mom, is your sister alive, is your brother alive, are you married, do you have kids? Making that up on the fly versus hey, I have a list of skills, powers, and various other attributes, spells even, or whatever it is I have. I will not choose them until the story time, the story beat, whatever you want to define it, is right. And I will say, I cast Fireball. Really? You have Fireball? Of course I do. Uh, All right, then. Mark it down. Or, you know, I've, um, this is why I always, you know, pack my atomic power jumping legs, or whatever it is that you've got, or my steampunk power, whatever. But, um, yeah, using the in-game event or activities in the game to further flesh out. Not just, hey, I'm, I decide my character's 35, and uh, he's from the east coast of this country, and blah, blah, blah. No, um, you can take it a little bit deeper. Take the rest of the character creation points, and don't go too far into it, you know? And pick some of the background skills. And hell, you could even take your class and define that through play if you wanted to. You could take it pretty far. So, I think when Hobbs talks about it, and Hobbs is near to defend himself, so I'll throw him under the bus. Um, I think when he t- when he talks about it, it's not that deep because he's in uh, tends to play OSR stuff, you know, with the guys if he's playing, um, um, if he's playing, you know, basic expert or BX, or if he's playing Beckme or Axe or whatever. He's probably rolling his character, race, class, name. Uh, whatever he's got his stats, his spells, and so on, but it's just a bunch of numbers and a random name, essentially, and then the rest of the character personality and such is flushed out emergently through play, where you can decide things. And again, some systems have this as a mechanic. Say you take a dungeon world type of setting, you say, "Well, I have bonds between all the characters. I will determine these bonds through play," versus determining them ahead of play. So just a different approach on that stuff and trying to see what you can pull out. So, Sean, when we talk about that, does that sound interesting to you at all? No. It's kinda, it, no? No, not at all. Are you I think serious? It's, uh, I think Are you serious? <laughs> Are you serious? You're totally shitting me. I can't tell. He's totally, he's deadpan. I'm mean, looking at the camera I'm like, I can't fucking tell. He might be serious this time, people. I think it's interesting to talk about. I think it's an interesting concept. I don't think it's something that I would ever pursue in one of my games, I wouldn't say, okay, this is how we're going to roll. We're going to play this one game, and the way you create your character is going to start out with just the, the real basics. And then as we go on, you're going to choose how you want to shape your character as 
you progress in play. Okay. But unless, you, unless you, don't, it's a, you don't think you're good enough for that. Is that what I'm hearing? You don't, unless, you don't have the chops for it. That's Sean's problem. Okay. Unless it's a game that actually does that because it, it facilitates some type of play that makes that interesting. So maybe it's a, oh, shit, I don't know. If there's a game system where it's very uh, – the, the boundaries are set already. Like maybe a storytelling game. Um, like I think Lady Blackbird's pretty – you know, this you're – you're going, and it's like this is the story. The story can change every time and how you accomplish it, but the the end object or the objective every time you play is the same. Okay, right? I believe, uh, and I'm speaking out of my butt because I haven't played Lady Blackbird. But nonetheless, so say for example, you uh, you it's a game where everybody is in a room and they don't know each other and they don't know their background. They all have amnesia. Okay. Somebody had actually posed this, and maybe it is a game or maybe it's a scenario. I can't remember. But it had something to do with the fact that I think somebody was running a one-shot, and they were talking about how they were going to run this type of game. And you discover, as things go on, your background in history. And then it shapes like your skills and stats and things of that nature as it progresses, and you realize who you are, who you were, what you did. And then you become this weird dynamic. And then, of course, that plays a role with your relationship with the people in the room. I mean, just imagine it's a a thriller, suspenseful hmm. thing, right? But without well-thought-out and balanced rules, you would not attempt such a thing on your own. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it's a novel idea. I just don't know. I think... The games that I typically play, you create a character, you have a concept, you build it around that concept, whether it's point by or it's it's through aspects, uh, if it's through skills and feats or whatever that looks like. So I think by doing it, even even Star Trek Adventures, I did a completely random character. I, but you roll off of tables. Okay. So I'm good with that. But I but don't this know level would... of make it up on the fly or choose on the fly, you don't like, unless the game is balanced to do that. I don't even think you're going to run out of balance because you're going to have those certain criteria anyway, right? You're only going to get so many skill points. You're going to get so many X points. You're only going to get so much resources to spend in order to obtain a resource of your character, okay. whether that's an ability or skill check. So I think it's. I don't think you're going to get out of any type of wacky balance as long as you stipulate that. So you're checking instead of doing it all up front, you're doing it as you're playing. So what's your problem and, with that? Why don't you want to do that? I don't. I just think that standard approach is that a player is going to want to know what they're like. When I start off, like if Brett pitches me a game, like hey Sean, we're going to play Trail of Cthulhu. And I'm mm-hmm. like great, awesome. What year? What's the stare? You know, what's the story? Whatever, blah blah blah. And Brett pick, you know, okay, book counts London. La la la. You're over in London. And it centers around this, and you say okay. Well, I'm going to go through the book, and I'm going to pick this, and I'm going to make him this type of person. This is what, He's going to be like kind of, uh, you know, he's got a nervous tick and really r- recluse, you know. And uh, But not, you like to be able to put the thought into the character then. Yeah, I think like the, the character. Time. Yeah, I like the character. It's I'm doing it up front. I know the concept I want to play and I want to come to the table with. I don't want to go, well, I guess it depends on what Brett throws at me. Okay. No, I get and then that. I'll, and then I'll, and then I'll just kind of a I'll, I'll then I'll bring it up at that point. Now I think this this approach 
may eh, this may be a, an over maybe I'm overstepping my bounds by saying this, but I think this approach would probably go over really well with folks that appeal that like the story game type games more so than the traditional I roll up my guy character whatever based on a concept. Like I think some of them that are a little more risk takers. Well, I let's guess. say we took if we took the powers and the skills and that away and just background, would you do that? If I took the skills and powers away and just went with the background? Yeah, so like right in the middle of the game I could say, yeah, that's clearly, yeah, I have a sister. You didn't write that down before. You just made it up because it fit the game. Would you do that? Yeah, I mean, I don't I would maybe try it once if okay. we wanted to do it that way, but I still think the whole So here's the thing. I think that if you sat down at the table and said, hey, Sean, we're going to do this kind of uh, character creation method. We're going to do emergent st- through emergent character creation. Okay. Okay, what's that mean, Brett? Brett explains, like, you're going to start out with your name, your background, and then where you're from, and then maybe some relationships with the other player characters, maybe not so much. And then as time goes on, you're going to build out your stats. And I say, okay, that's fine. But in my brain, I already know what that looks like. I'm all, you know, you're going to you're going to put me in a situation where it's going to be fighty fighty and I'm going to go, "Oh, I'm fighty fighty I'm fighty fighty guy." So I'm going to put my stuff into fighty fighty. Okay, Sean, go ahead. Spend your points in this or that. And well, even if you like, knew you didn't want to do that, you'd be like, "Oh, sorry, I don't fight. I'm I'm a scholar. I got a battle." You would right. have that all so pre- I think the concept, notion. I think the concept's already there in my brain. Mm. You're just making me do it in a in a situation. Okay. So I have to admit, on my side, the only way I've, <clears throat> I do it honestly, often, in the small stuff, like um, when we were playing D anD D the one time you were running, my halfling I decided partway through while we were camping in the woods that he was a cook and he always had food and he always remembered somebody's recipe and he cooked mushrooms. It just it was just shit I made up. I had nothing to do with his background. I had no idea that was going to be cool. It just felt like it'd be cool at the time based on the situation we were in. It didn't do anything. Um, Powers wise or systematic wise, it was a role playing type of thing, and that was that was fun. We had a good time with that. Um, I've not done it from the emergent. I'm picking my powers, my bonds with other characters, um, hardcore mechanical stuff. Like, right? I don't even know what skills I have until we until we do this thing. And I'm, I'm positive there's le- there's layers or levels thereof. Right? You could say, look, I'm going to pick almost everything except for five slush points. For something, and I'll determine where I want to put it, because I just don't know. It'll depend. And and I think part of that comes from my, my thought about perhaps doing it stems from this thing you and I have talked about in the past. I know I do, and I believe you've done as well. So you make a character in my game, we're playing Nice Black Agents, and you're like, you know what? I like this guy. Like, what don't you like? I really wish I'd have taken more points and drive type of thing. I really like being a wheelman. I should have made a wheelman. I'm going, well, that's okay. Just remake your character. Tweak him a little bit. So instead of doing that in the game, you'd say, no, Wheelman, Wheelman's cool. And I would just do that in the game instead of then coming around afterwards and saying, hey, you know that thought I had about being fighty-fighty guy? That just, it's not that fun. So I think having it be emergent helps to, well, perhaps only for some people. Maybe it's a thing that some players don't need to do or, or some players would like, and you could easily, maybe not easily is a strong word, but maybe you could mix the two together, like some person... Like Sean says, no, I want to plan and plot this out myself. And somebody like Ann says, no, I'll be totally happy. I'll just make it up as I go. Give me my open points, and I'll spend it as I need. And that would work out. That could conceivably work out fine. But um, I 
think by doing it, it might help with those players in your group that are poten- they're not potentially, but regularly perhaps building that character. They come back and go, yeah, I just uh, she's just not turned out the way I want her to. Can I can I tweak it a little bit? Can I give her a couple extra more points here? Drop the drop the sneaky sneak and put some more in you know bash face thing. Can I do that? Well, yeah, sure. That totally makes sense about how you're playing a your character. Go ahead and adjust it. So it feels like a in-game mechanism to do that on the fly versus waiting till after the game, refitting your character and then coming back. What do you think about that? Dude, I think you're splitting hairs. No, I'm not. Yeah, because what happens is you, the player... You suddenly have a really bad evening and it's no fun for you because you've realized my character isn't built the way I want him to. I'm not having right. any fun. Right. I but should be at- tweaking. I should tweak this character. I got to wait till after the session and beg Sean. Yeah, you wouldn't do it in the session anyway because you're already building it. So what? 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 Ha- I guess the, what we're talking about is the timing of what in the, when the pencil hits the paper. Yes, in way. Right. Yeah. So if I were to start and I had a concept, if I don't, if I want to be, if I start out and I think I want to be wheel person, and then I want to go to the face. When at one point do I realize that? I want to do one and not the other because you may, so you're in, in your example, you're like, well, you don't commit to anything until you get to that. Like I'm bored point. No, th- but, so that that's also perhaps a splitting hairs thing is I'm not looking for you to say I'm bored. I'm looking for you to determine, wow, after three, four different scenes with this character, this is really, I'm feeling it now. And this is how she plays. She is, you know, the ninja sneaky person. She's the assassin. Okay, I'm going to put more points over there. I kind of thought that way, but boy, that's really how it's playing. I really like the way this is going. That's what I'm going to do. Which is great. Assuming you haven't committed to anything yet. Yes. So what I'm saying is that if you do emergent, you don't have to commit. And if you do commit up front, then I have to come back to you and say, can I please tweak her? Or you have to say, no, you can't tweak the character. You got to make a new one. See what I'm saying? Yes. You don't agree. I don't agree. Oh, that's a shame. Hurts me when you're Because I think like you're going to do that anyway. I think you <laughs> could do that at any point in time. But I think it's going to come down to when do you when do you say, well, I'm going to come in as I'm going to come in and then oh, we got an encounter. I'm going to I'm going to be fighty person. And then at some point you're going to go, okay, I'm going to pick fighty, uh, and I'm going to pick missile fighty and melee fighty. And so now I'm fighty. Yeah. And then say a couple encounters down the road, you're like, you know what? I don't want to be fighty. But you've already committed it. Oh, so you're worried about potential waffling back and forth. So I think. Sure. Okay. So then if right? we have, if there's gui- better guidelines or rules around saying, look, even if you don't put pencil or paper until X point in the game, once you've done that, you've committed and it doesn't change. Right. I, I think it just has to be hashed out. There you go. Okay. But if you said... Okay, we're going to go through and we're going to be, okay, we're in an encounter. And you say, okay, I want to be fighty. You go, okay, but you don't commit to be a fighty. You just are there and you're in the fighty, fighty encounter. And then you have another one of something else and another one. And then all of a sudden that person says, okay, it's been three encounters situations. Now I want to choose its, its driver. Wheel person. Okay, so I get what you're saying. Is no, you don't get to. Okay, I get what you're saying. Where, where, where is the commitment, man? Where do you draw the line? Make a commitment, goddammit. it! Just, you got to go one way or the other. 
Right. I mean, you could be in a in a game where you have like, I mean, you maybe you have fighty, and you have wheels. Now you just want to change the balance in your character. Okay, but I don't think that cha- I don't think character creation through emergence is that evolutionary that it's so different from okay, Brett, we're gonna play a spy craft game. Pick a character, roll up your character. You pick driver, wheel person. Mm-hmm. We get through three scenarios, three situations, three encounters, and you're like, I don't want to be wheel person. I want to be fighty. And I just go, okay, Brett, change him to fighty. And Brett changes him to fighty. So then two sessions later, I go, no, I'll be a wheelman again. You say, fine, then, change then him I back. Would, then I would have to punch you in the face. <laughs> so basically, your biggest concern is the waffling. It's somebody who is, can't commit. They make a decision, and then two sessions later, no, I want to be wizardy. No, I want to be road well, guy. I want to be a woman who lives in the moon. Or well, it doesn't. The waffling doesn't necessarily matter to me. It will drive me crazy if it it continues to be a problem. Like okay. it, the person just can't commit. Then we're maybe playing the wrong game. Maybe they they should be building a. a we should, maybe we should be in like GURPS, like or or. Uh, Whatever champions, where you could be a little of everything because you could just allocate points to whatever emphasis you want. That's a good point. It's, it's not necessarily that as much as it is the creation point, right? Because that's what we're talking about: is that character creation through emergent storytelling mm. or emergence character creation, or if you're doing it up front. In the end, you're just going to have the player change their shit anyway. Potentially. So whether it's through emergent or it's through the traditional method. It's you're st- you're still gonna cave as a game master and say okay well fuck it. So he's coughing. I wonder how many I wonder how many game masters actually let characters drastically change concept without saying no remake your person. Well, I think it depends on how far along you are. Like if you're so my my me my take on that would be okay. Brett creates smuggler. Mm-hmm. in Star Wars, and he goes and goes and goes, and he's really not playing a smuggler. He's playing like a pilot all the time. He wants to sit on the ship and shoot his ship guns at people because he's right. that kind of dick. Yes. And so we realized together Brett's playing literally the wrong guy. So we just switched that out. Okay. But I think I think it's, a, you know, and that would be okay, but I think if you're just kind of like, um, I think that would be all right. I think it's a, a regular conversation. I don't think it's a big deal. But you can't be waffling back and forth because I think what you do as a smuggler, you do that for three or four sessions. Then you go, well, I want to be a pilot. Okay, you're going to be a pilot. And then you go, well, I want to be go back to smuggler again. Wrong. Because you're kind of getting into specializations, right, when you pick, like, class systems. And even when you're not in class systems, you're still We've we've talked about this. You're still kind of gearing your character to a particular concept. So any you're pu- kind you're of putting them, you're putting them in a bucket. So any kind of emergent decision making on your character's part, you know, background skills tweakings, whether it be, I have fifty skill points to spend. I'm not going to spend any of them until I determine what it is during play. That's okay. Or I have a cache of them or whatever. But there's a certain point that once pencil hits paper, that's it. And. Um, Anything more than X number of changes or waffles or, with or without syrup, or character, you know, hardcore specialization adjustments, 
of something you, I don't know how, how the hell you define it, but basically you only get one. Everybody gets one, everybody gets two, or that's about it. You can't keep going back and forth. You can't bounce all over the place because then, look, you obviously didn't make the right damn character to begin with, or don't you like the game? Are you bored, or are we not playing the right thing? So, so here, so here's, so here's the situation, right? So hypothetically, say we're going to do character creation. We're going to use emergent character creation method. Mm-hmm. And next, we, we outline what that means. And say it's very, uh, to the point of very loose, and said, we're going to play D&D 5e. And we're going to do this emergent character creation. And the way it's going to work is we're going to run one session. And as a game master, right, the players don't need to know. But as a game master, I'm going to come to the table and I'm going to give sit- certain situations that are kind of going to emphasize emphasize magic. It's going to emphasize fighty. It's going to emphasize roguey and clericy and all those kind of classes, right? And at you you put them in those situations so that they will kind of jump and say, "Ooh, I really need to cast the spell. I'm a really smart person. I'm probably the smartest one on the entire group." Okay, and they. And that person marks their intelligence as the highest. And they kind of flesh it out that way. And then they cast the spell because they know fireball or whatever it is, or magic missile mm-hmm. at first mm-hmm. level. And so they have, okay, they mark that down. As the, at the end of the adventure, everybody should know what they, they are or who they want to be. The problem with that is, I think, is that they already know probably before that stupid first adventure. So even with a funnel... If you looked at your characters, you're like, look, if I had to pick one of these four characters, I could see this person's going to be a wizard. This one's going to be a dwarf because it says dwarf. That is a halfling, clearly, because it says halfling. And if I can't do that, this guy's built for a fighter, so I'm like a fighter. I think the funnel in DCC is even just more random. And I think genuinely that's part of the novelty behind the funnel is that. Yes, but even if you look at the funnel's characters, you could, if you've gamed long enough, you look at it and go, as wizard potential, fighter potential, thief potential, and that's a halfling. Done. I mean, you can well, look we, at the, you can look at the character and look at his stats and go, "Hey, yes. when he or she's done, she's clearly a cleric." Look at her stats, man. Well, and even worse, I mean, if you're a halfling, you're a halfling. Like you don't have a choice. That that is that character. That's yeah. So that's class. I mean, I'm just what I'm saying is that's a limitation of that system. But yes. your point though is that even if I were to say, "Look, you can make it make it all up as you go along, determine everything," there is. At least, kind of like when you sit down to make that character. Perhaps it, hmm, I don't know. Maybe it might almost be more fun Bro. to play. More fun to play with people who've never done it before. <laughs> because for those of us old grizzled grognards, look like, ah, this is clearly a this is clearly a face man, and this is a space spy, and this guy uses you know the space internet, so he's clearly a hacker, and this is the you know blah blah blah. So I, we we do have. We are kind of jaded in our approach on some of that stuff. Well, one of the things too that we're comparing, if you're going to, if you're comparing the funnel to a, another game, and going emergent character creation, the funnel is, you know, I got five characters, I got six people, and they're all two hit points, three hit points. They've well, got that, that's co- a that's attrition, right? Right, that's attrition, and so there is a point in time where you're kind of like. Well, I really want this guy to live because I've become attached to that one, and I really would like to play a wizard, and that's the one that's got the most. So I'm going to sacrifice all the rest. And during our growing up in first edition AD&D, that's what we did. Each one of us had three or four characters, and we, I would always say, this is my main guy. But 
you know, if my main guy got axed, well, then I had a couple backups, and they ended up bumping up to the main, being the main guy. So I think that, so when we're talking about a single character versus four or five, then you start getting into a different dynamic as well. That's a good point. Because if I'm building one person, it's going to be the concept I want it to be. Um, You know, what you you may want to do is say, we're going to start at, Third level, second level, and first level. And everybody's going to have one character at each one of those levels. Hmm. But maybe you don't start knowing which one is at each level. So then what happens is you say you've got, you know, say combined, right? Character generation. If you were to take all the points that were to make that character, and you put them in a pool, and then you made all the points that would make, you know, the skills of that character, you put them all in a pool. Yep. And th- and then you started the 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 adventure, and as the situations presented themselves, you said, "Okay, well, I'm going to allocate this to my second level guy, and this to my third level, and this to my first, and then you fleshed it out." I think it works more in pe- point by better than a class. Agreed, but I guess there is um. Hmm. So I like the idea of during play because you. <clears throat> Uh, Brett sells you on the idea of he's going to run, you know, Dying Earth by Pilgrim Press based on, you know, the Dying Earth setting by Jack Vance. Hey, we're going to do this. It sounds good. I get it. I know the world, blah, blah, blah. Or play Amber or something. Okay, I get it. And you play one or two sessions and you're like, well, the concept I had was based on what I thought you we were all doing, what I believed we understood. But, you know, it's taken a turn and I really see this person a little bit different now than I did before. Can I change them? And I think the benefit potentially here of this is that it, within a certain time frame, <clears throat> like in my group, I'm like, look, within the first couple of sessions, if you want to rework something, fine. But after like three or four, no, you start over. Because if you haven't figured it out after two sessions, then you're not paying attention. Um, so, no. But this doing, doing it this way, having some mechanism within the session itself to say, hey, I'm going to make a decision right now that modifies my character in a way that makes that person fun. And I get what you're saying is that you, there's a, for your, from your perspective, there's a level of, or um, a limit almost of saying, look, I already start off with a certain idea. I know that Brett will let me mod my character within two sessions anyway. I don't need to do it in game. I'll be happy to do it between games. Whatever, that doesn't bother you. So, hmm. <laughs> Interesting. Now, if you if we take the points and the harder core stuff out of it like that, um, the background personalities, bonds, and those kind of softer things, it seems a little bit easier, perhaps less, or uh, or easier for you to swallow. Does that make sense or no? Yeah, I don't think. I mean, none of this is wrong. It it's just a different way, and I don't. I think if you limited it to like bonds or relationships and that was created by during play you could certainly do it that way i think i think through play they're inherently going to do that anyways so true well what happens then is you decide that some way through you walk into the bar and you decide that the um you're married to the tavern owner or you decide that he's your best friend or that the dwarf in the corner is um, your great-grandfather or your uncle or something. So doing that, 
even that, that it doesn't mechanically break anything or give somebody a weird advantage or let them fuck with their character too much. But from a role-play perspective and environmental engagement perspective, I think it might give players an opportunity to say, hey, you know what? I grew up in this town. They've never been to Ravensford in their life before, that before they decided that they were from Ravensford. And they look at you, Sean, and say, well, you know, I think I was actually from Ravensford. And um, I know this place. Where's, um, where's the nearest blacksmith? That's where we're trying to get to. Where's old Samuel? He's the blacksmith around here, isn't he? You know, and they, they want to throw out. It's kind of almost allowing people to, it's that you're making things up, you're adding, and so forth. We talked about a little bit of this before, you know, that the, um, uh, the player agency component and the ability to modify or change the world. Instead of asking, is there a candlestick on the table? Yes, there's a candlestick, says the DM. You say, I grab the candlestick. And and then the DM says, okay, what do you do next? Instead of the DM saying, there are no candlesticks. Fuck off. You can't touch those. There's none. You can't grab any. Ha, ha, ha. You know, or, or whatever happens. So I, I I think that maybe my preference and yours is more along the lines of the player agency when it comes to the softer stuff, the non-mechanical components, the non-character buildy things. Is that true? Or are you, or are you not following me? <clears throat> I think it's I think it's going to be I think the way you do emergent character creation is going to be based on the the game that facilitates it. So a game doesn't facilitate it naturally. That, that so then I don't then, then I think don't, you could do it. You're not allowed though. It's wrong. Well, it's, yeah, <laughs> you're not playing by the fucking rules. All right. <laughs> Says the guy at the last at the last convention. Anybody here know Savage Trolls? Nope. Fuck this rule book. Then moving on. Yeah, I didn't have anybody have to call me out on that shit. Exactly. I played by. I mean, I played by the rules, but I mean, I could have been screwing up here and there. You played by the uh, spirit of the rules. Spirit of the rules. That's that's exactly right, Brett. But I think like you know, if it's something like Microscope or Kingdom, um, it, it may be where you're creating a kingdom, and then when you get into Microscope, Microscope, and you have characters that you are that you're painting the scenario then i think it's just kind of based on what the game is about so it's hard to talk i mean uh who did the there was a podcast that did cover microscope and it was an interesting one because it, it and that's by ben robbins by the way uh i'll put a link in the show notes to his website but if it's Something where it's kind of like world creation, and in that world, you create a couple of people that you get to put into scenes that that shape the kingdom or shape the the the. Uh, uh, so unless there's oh, a, the, you, you're just not big on like random player, quote unquote random player agency, where they can decide that they're best friends with the bartender or something. Sure, they can. Absolutely, I would absolutely applaud that. But okay. that's different than character creation. Well, um, could be argued that yes, it is. It's exactly the same thing. Do you have on your character sheet that you're the best friends with the barkeeper and that you're from Ravensford? No, I don't have my hometown. Then you're not from here, asshole. You can do well, that. That's story. I actually encourage players to do that, but they don't. They don't do that. So what I guess what I'm saying is that that is also part of character creation is your background and where you're from and who you know and those components to Brett's eyes anyway. Or my my thinking is that's all part of character creation. Um, just simply writing down, you know. I'm, you know, a space cleric, and I've got these powers, and I'm from Alpha Centauri. Great, but 
who I am, where I'm from, and so forth is more important to, to my character creation to me. So if I come in and decide that I'm actually from Ravensford and the bartender is a high school friend of mine, um, great. Then I think that's just I think that's the same. It's just is a non-rule crunchy thing. Although again, if you have a game that has contacts or friends or any of those points you can spend in the backgrounds, you could say, look, I have five points in contacts. I'm not going to name them right now. I'm going to give you names as we go along. Is that okay? And I think you would say, yeah, sure, that's fine. You know, like, I've got a contact, and we need one right now. Yeah, I know a guy. I know a wheelman. His name is Jimmy. Uh, Jimmy, Jimmy Wheels. Yeah, I'm going to go get Jimmy Wheels. He's, he's our wheelman. You know, I'll spend, I'll spend my point in contact, Sean. Is that cool? Does that work for you? Yeah. Okay. But that's still, that's a character point thing. That's character creation. Sure. It is. Mike, <clears throat> in um, Knights Black Agents and in uh, World of the Darkness System and a lot of those where you, have back, where you have background points that you can spend and you have yes. people you know. And if you don't flush them out at the beginning, you're making it up as you go along. So it's And the rule system facilitates that. Some do. Some don't explicitly, but some can. Yeah. D&D, you're not, I mean, you're not going to open up a book unless it's some weird, wacky, goofy rule in the DM guide that says, here's an alternate rule you can use. Okay. All right. But, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think it's, I don't think anything is, that we're talking about is something you can't do by any means. Agreed. But I just think that sometimes, depending on how you frame it and what your end goal is, may, you, you may have an end goal where the method to get there isn't the motive of taking a particular path isn't exactly the motive you may be the, the correct motive you're taking. No, I get, I think I get what you're saying. Some of it comes down to why are you doing this? Why do you want to potentially change your entire scope of character direction halfway through the game? Or why do you not know if you want to be a fighter or a thief or whatever the case is? I, I kind of get where you're coming from. I do think, though, that if you want to dip your toes in the emergent character creation thing, I think some of it starts with the concept of player agency, even at the level of, you know, I grab the candlestick off the barroom table versus asking the game master, is there a candlestick I can grab? Um, And then saying things like, you know, I'd like to keep my contacts pool open, and I'll simply fill in those five points with names and context as we go. Obviously, when I've said I've got Jimmy Wheels as my wheelman, that's done. I can't, like, redo that. That's one off of the five. So I need to use these sparingly. I need to husband these points because I only have so many of them. But I think that um, that type of thing is, I think it's a good gateway to doing that stuff. And if you want to give people the opportunity to engage more at the table and make up that stuff as you're saying they're not doing it, depending, again, certain game systems do have, if they don't explicitly say it, you could implicitly make such a rule. Um, again, for contacts or whatever, in that example. So, okay, all right. I think I think we're talking about two different things at times. Like when you talk about story and background, you know, the fluffy fluff stuff, right? You don't think, that, stuff, you don't think that's character creation? I, I do to some extent, but it's not going to make you... The, <laughs> there's two things to a... There's two f- huge things, not necessarily exclusive, but two big components of an RPG is... The skills and abilities of the character, yes. and then the fluff. And now some some games incorporate one and the end of the other, but many do not. Like there isn't a story based 
there's not, in my opinion, there isn't a ton of story-based mechanics in D&D where you're like, well, I've got maybe diplomacy or intimidation, but, I mean, they're really not what we're talking about. Like, but if you go into Knights Black Agents and you're like, yes, I have a resource here in this town because I have this, I have skill points and resources. So my character, so I, my character background or a flaw or something I have in in Five E says, someone is in prison for a crime I committed. Where's the mechanical tie into that? There isn't any, but still, is, it's still part of my character creation. It's still my background. It's still I totally yes, I agree with you. If I put the, more stress on that fluff than I do on how many points I have, it's just as important to me. As a person who's maxed out the fact that his two-handed sword barbarian is tougher than the whatever barbarian. But you know what should happen is you should take stress then. Take stress. As a then. DM, I should inflect stress on you. Guess what? All your, you know, you're, you're under the stress condition because you can't shake this memory out of your brain until you resolve it somehow. But it's not explicitly called out. So unless it's called out, they need to be punished. <laughs> you know what I'm saying, though. There's no. So there, where's guess, the bridge that gaps those freaking things? It doesn't. I, so I don't need a. Mecha- I, could be, I don't need a I mechanic could, to do that. I don't need a mechanic to do that. I just build the story around it. I understand that, but there's a difference between going like, okay, how do I create my character? Mm-hmm. And I'm going to pick hindrances and advantages and classes and traits and all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. And those are mechanical buffs or disadvantages. They, they help me achieve things within the game through die roll or whatever. Okay. When I create a background and I, I know Sally the barmaid or, or, or Chucky the barmaid, and that may get me an advantage. Maybe I get information from them, but there isn't necessarily how does that tie into, to, like, again, it depends on the game you're playing. Because Knights Black Agents can be like, yeah, man, I spend a chit, dude. They're, I'm buddies with them. So if you're looking oh, for a yeah. mechanical component, yes, you need very specific games. You're looking for a decent story. You don't need that. It comes down to what kind of stories you're telling. Sure. But see, I could be fighting McFightface. Yes. And screw all the fucking background. I could still play D&D and none of that other shit matters. Oh, absolutely. That's because and D&D, I don't that, need to go. I don't need to go through the emergence. That's shit. because D and D is a toolbox, man. It's not. It's not a specifically geared thing. Saying if you don't have this, you can't play Monster Hearts. It's not the same thing. It's a toolbox game. Okay, it is. I know, man. Whatever, dude. <laughs> All right. Uh, so somebody out there smarter than Sean and I, let us know where we went wrong. Let us know what we missed. I'm sure we did something wrong here. We always do. I bet you. I bet- <laughs> yeah, what? Yeah. I-, I was gonna say, I bet you we get an email. I won't say it. I'll say it off of air because if I say it now at all, it'll tinge the results. All right, we'll wait off air then. Okay. Or I'm just gonna see who who decides who is kind of in the ballpark and understands. I think it's interesting. This may well boil down to the fact that you and I are operating on a ever morphing definition of what emergent character creation is, right? If we don't yes. put decent boundaries around it this is the kind of conversation that happens if nothing else that helps to underscore the fact that if this is the thing that you want to try at your gaming table i would and i think sean would also strongly suggest you put some fucking boundaries around it underscore it define it specifically so people understand it because otherwise your table will do the exact same thing sean and i just did for an hour and you don't want that you gotta put up with us once a week you don't need that shit at your game table too yeah just let us hash this shit out and then like have you sit down and go okay i'm gonna because these guys can't nail shit down, I have to nail it down in my own game. And what does that look like? Exactly. 
We're just we're, we're showing you all the holes and pitfalls. That's what we're doing. That's right. You have to navigate them and and lay out. It's your emergent own listening, right? It's emergent, emergent listening. listening. You, That's right. You tell us what we were talking about. <laughs> Come back. Ah, <laughs> uh, it's emergent podcast listening. All right, moving on. Let's die roll this up before it gets worse. All right, die roll. Brett's got a few this week. Yeah, I'm kind of on it. So Delta Green, uh, Night at the Opera pre-order. If you go to the link in the show notes, shop.arcdream.com, it is a um, pre-order hardback, basically, after uh, fans had clamored for them to collect Delta Green PDF-only scenarios in hardback. Well, boom, there you go. So it's the first collection. So it's coming together. So take a look, take a look if you're a Delta Green fan. It might be something you want. Um, friends of the show, we have um, our good friends who deal with Forge Midwest, you know, Willow and so on. So Willow pointed out on Google Plus that, hey, Forge Midwest, Midwest, Forge Midwest 2018 will be April 27th through 29th in Madison, Wisconsin, at the Best Western East Town Suites. So if that is a thing you want to do, if that is a thing that indie gamers, like say Phil, Chris, <clears throat> send uh, people like that, they want to show up. In Madison, and go to a con, Forge Midwest, focus on that type of thing. Sean and I can make some time. We'll go. We'll hang out with you. We'll have beers. We'll game. We'll do it. But anyway, Forge Midwest, 2018, April 27 through 29, Madison, Wisconsin, Best Western, East Town Suites. Link in show notes. Sean, over to you. How to play tabletop RPG using Tabletop Simulator. I thought it was kind of interesting. It's a little bit of the VR piece. I don't know. that It's mixed reviews, but if you're into that. Um, it was tied to the article goes into do do you need what do you need in order to facilitate kind of a face to face game and tabletop simulators out there a lot of people use it for a lot of different games but how is it for RPGs and facilitating the face to face kind of in real person. Apparently, there's a mod for that that has a uh, framed photo of Nicolas Cage as part of the table. Yes. Design. So if you're yes, going to do it, get that. Got to get the picture of Nick Cage. Nicolas Cage. All right. Uh, my second one, introducing the Miskatonic Repository. Mike O'Brien mentioned this over on Chaosium. Uh, I equate this to the uh, D&D, uh, what's the D&D version? I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> oh, new way for creators to publish and distribute. You talking about yes. like the um, oh the thing that's over on like drive through where people do <laughs> stuff. I can't remember what the fuck it's called either. All right, you keep talking. DMs Guild. DMs God Guild. There it. it is. It's just I that's just found right. it myself. DMs Guild. DMs Guild. So we it's are on the... fire tonight, people. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's this is what happens when you get old. I know. So like I don't know, do mental exercises or something. Play shit. games. That helps. <laughs> that's right. Play more than us. Uh, cantrip, okay, my last one, cantrips D&D players should pick by none other than Rob Whelan over at Geek and Sundry. So if you're like, you're new to the D&D 5e and you're like playing a wizard and you're wondering what cantrips you should take, Rob gives you a little, a few pointers. And then players, I'll, I'll mention this one because I saw this list. Sky Slayton posted... The die roll to end all die rolls. It's a 5E resource list that is literally a Google document. I would give credit where credit is due. I just, I honestly don't know who did this resource list. Like somebody shared it. 
there wasn't any like this is by blah 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 or started blah 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 or edited by anyone specifically but it's got you know anywhere you want to go for for like on reddit uh different blogs different i mean all kinds of house rules the 5e um open rule set srd all kinds of stuff so literally if it's 5e man that thing this thing is a beast and somebody publicly shared it so holy crap yeah yeah there's a ton of ton of shit uh and i mean shit isn't good stuff but it's just a ton of it so so wraps up episode 170 as brett frantically types in what the hell we're talking about next (laughs) i had a couple different things in mind i was looking at my what comes up next on the list? I'm like, you know what? I really Andy's Andy Hall's concept around exploration really hit me, and uh, we're gonna go after it. We're gonna take Andy's thing, and we're gonna strike while that iron is hot, and we're gonna do that. So exploration next week. It's fantastic. You're goddamn right it is. Well, hey, this has been another episode of Gaming NBS. I'm one of your hosts, Sean. And I'm Brett. Good night and good game and all. This episode brought to you with the help from the following friends of the show. Kevin Lovecraft, Joe Swick, Brett's biggest fan, Forrest Gary, Mark Anthony Benedetti, Eric Jeppesen, Sean Nicholson, Tim Jensen, Knights of the Night Crew, Pladian, Remy Bellado, Jason Hobbs, Hobbs, Wayne Humphleet, James Carpio, Pure Mongrel, Lord Tentacle, Corey Johnston, Brandon Barnes, Dan LaValle, C.W. Mellencamp, The Lost Sailor, Todd McGowan, Misdirected Mark Productions, Old School DM, Jason, Christopher Gray, Finolf, Merkel Froelich, Eileen Barnes, Tony Sugarloaf Baker, Todd Crapper, Michael Drescher, with Static, Alexander Auerbach, Neil Benson, Ron Blessing, Chris Steele, Eric the Hoff Hoffman, Soldiers of Misfortune RPG, Christopher Lang, Curtis Takahashi, Gordon Cranford, Mark Tosaka, Larry Hout, Ray Otis, Eli Kurtz, Ron Bishop, Stefan Dragonspawn, Craig Hubert, Xavier G, John Hammersley, JV, Derelict Radio, John Steve, Jared Rasher, Mark Richmond, Thomas Hook, Jonathan Talby, Blake Ryan, Chad Glamon. Oh man, Chad, I hope it's Glamon or Gleeman. Ah! Sky, Roger Brasslett, Evan Harrison Cass, Craig, Howard Bishop, Christian Sexy Voice Serrano, Jim Fitzpatrick, and Graham Minert. For the cost of a coffee shop, coffee, you can support the show for an entire month. Consider going over to gamingnbs.com forward slash support dash us for ways to support the show. Thank you, folks, that have. Thank you, folks, that have listened and spread the word. This This has been a Litterbox Studio production. production.